Podstarter. Every podcast starts somewhere. So, Reese, you uh, you had a conversation with uh, Dwayne Jones uh, with uh, Art Pays Me podcast. Why did you want to talk to him? Well, he um, is quite interesting because he has a, a brand called Art Pays Me, which is a clothing line, but also something he wanted to expand as kind of almost like an artistic movement, I guess, because um, it's about artists having pride in making money from their ability to create and letting go of the kind of, oh, I'm an artist. I don't know how to make any money. I'm, you know, I'm creative. I'm, I don't know how to think about business. And he was trying to change that conversation and, and get artists to really own the, the, the fact that they, they have the ability to create assets that are of value to people. Um, and he's very active on Instagram. He invests a lot of time and money in models and photography. And he realized that people were making presumptions about his brand and him from that kind of messaging. And podcasting for him was a way of showing people that there was a much more meaning and a lot more depth to the brand and, and what he was trying to promote than uh, just just the images they saw on Instagram, essentially. We've talked about the reasons why you do the things you do from a podcast standpoint. I think you guys get into a deeper conversation about uh, why we do the things we do in our life. Um, and, but we're, we're really interested to hear and understand how he's going about changing that conversation. And as organizations and companies and people, often we have preconceived notions that we have to push through. Yeah, and, and I think that the the real takeaway is that he's he's been successful in in uh, fleshing out um, you know what was a, a, a very active uh, and what still is a very active social media channel um, with this whole different personality that um, that people weren't aware of and if he hadn't started this podcast weren't aware of some of the really guiding principles of that brand um, in such an in-depth way excellent well we're looking forward to listening to you talk to Dwayne Jones from Art Pays Me Podstarter every podcast starts somewhere hi Dwayne thanks for coming and talking to us on Podstarter yeah no problem thank you for inviting me can you tell us a bit about Art Pays Me? Okay, so Art Pays Me is started out as a clothing brand, uh, somewhere, somewhat in the streetwear realm, t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, that sort of thing. The gist of Art Pays Me is me leaning into my origin as a fine artist and designer and taking pride in the fact that it's okay for an artist to take control of who they are as a business person and wanting to live a comfortable life for themselves and uh the brand kind of it's just a a visual representation of that in through clothing and and now additional lifestyle products kind of goes against the stereotype of the starving artist yes exactly uh we all kind of grew up hearing that um people love artists people love to to point out that something was well created and beautiful etc cetera, etc cetera. but when it comes to well this is how much it costs to get that uh, people don't really understand that it should have a cost or that it should cost as much as an artist might want it to cost or need it to cost. Art Pays Me is me trying to help myself and others figure out where that balance comes in when you're not just sort of making a widget that someone might want to buy, but you're making a creative product that someone might want to buy. So the podcast, which is of the same name, yes, is kind of a, a logical extension of that because you 
take the time to interview and have interesting kind of really in-depth conversations with just people who create from all different fields, I suppose. Yes, indeed. So when I started to lean into the brand and it sort of became like a fashion brand, which I, I don't even think of it in that sense. When I would shoot campaigns, I stopped wanting to use models. I really wanted to use people who were actually creatives that I respected on some level uh, as my as my models slash spokespeople. And when I realized that I love podcasting, I, I've, I've actually been interviewing people for about 10 years or so. Um, I used to have this thing called Future Glitterati where I recorded the episodes before podcasts were even a thing. It's still live, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, I was interviewing creatives, and uh, I just loved sharing their stories and getting inspired by what they did to become successful. And uh, then as I like started the brand and started working with creatives from a lookbook stance, I was like, you know what? If I could continue my, my, my love for podcasting and c- incorporate it more directly into art pays me instead of other things, uh, then I could just interview some of these creatives that I want would normally put in a, in a photo shoot uh, and, and share their stories. So that's uh, kind of where it came from. And two, like, it's selfish because I often pick people who I'm like, you look like you're doing really well. How the hell did you do that? How did you go from point A to point B to point C and I like documenting that process and I because of the the visibility of my brand as it's uh it's one of those weird things and now I get contacted all the time by people who are like I want to make money as an artist how do I do that or they just want to have a coffee with me just to to get to know me and and they have like all kinds of questions so some of those questions i've just flipped into the podcast and directed it at people in the specific industries that maybe these other people were in who wanted to know how to be successful just as an example of what, what kinds of people have, have you interviewed there's a real kind of mix i've noticed yeah. from looking at the episodes yeah so i say the first person i interviewed uh was my sister-in-law actually and she's in like the the business coaching sector which i know might turn off some artists but i encourage them to listen because there's some very useful business advice in there and then i've got a film director who's he's won an mtv music award just got nominated for another one um and then i've had uh graphic designers i've had illustrators uh, a guy who does custom sneaker designs. It's a it's a very wide range of perspectives I like to get because you just never know where there's a tidbit buried in there. Oh, and I've also um, done a couple of uh, artist managers for like from the music side. That's quite interesting to us. They're very much more the business side of things than yeah, you know, the creative side, just managing the talent, I guess. Yes, it's such a useful thing. Because when you talk to those kind of people, again, it's, it's one of those things that we're, we're often turned off by as creative people. But when you find the right person to work with in that space, all they want to do is do the things that you don't want to do. They enjoy going to meetings. They enjoy talking about money. They enjoy trying to find ways that you don't have to worry your, your creative energy on other things. You can focus on just being the best artists you can be while these other people are outside uh, 
making all the phone calls and knocking on doors and sending emails and doing all that kind of stuff. It's crazy how many, like working in the creative field, how many instances you meet really talented people who are mm. really capable and doing something unique or have something interesting to say, but don't necessarily get a lid on the business side of things. Yeah. Um, and because they don't have that, they can't, they're not enabled to excel and move forward and, and share their work more widely. They kind of stumble because, yeah, they, 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 they kind of subscribe to the stereotype of, I'm just creative. I don't. I don't understand those things. Or you know, yeah. I don't. Do, I don't understand how to send an invoice to someone. I'm mm-hmm. a creative. It's not not what I care about. So. Yeah, and I'm guilty. Uh, and this is another reason why I'm doing this because, yeah. you know, a lot of times it's it's framed that I'm an expert or something. But the reality is, all this stuff that I'm saying artists need to work on are because I need to work on them. And it's good for me to hear it coming from these other experts who are doing it well and saying. <laughs> You know, it's okay. And to be honest, I have started to really love the idea of business building and entrepreneurship. And there is creativity in that if you look at it from a certain lens. And I, that, that's something I guess I got from the from listening to some of the episodes of, of your show is that you're kind of your is your journey in a sense. Mm-hmm. You're you're speaking to these people, but you're getting surprises and information from 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 them as you're interviewing in that sense which is yeah. kind of a cool way to kind of bring the audience along as they mm-hmm. kind of reflect on those learnings as well yeah for sure like i'm trying to get more work shown in galleries and talking to this gallery artist recently or I, she didn't want to be called a gallery artist she's just an artist but her work has been seen and she's had work in the moment you know she's she's done impressive things so Talking to her like made me realize, oh, that's how I could possibly get attention from a gallery for my work. And, you know, talking about how much you should charge for your, your paintings and things like that. So it's, it is selfishly, I'm, I'm just learning just as much as everyone else. <laughs> I'm learning about podcasting from people doing this. It's oh, so yeah. <laughs> So you seem like you're familiar with the podcasting process. Yes. Um, so you'd done the hosting before. So how, you were pretty prepared when you launched this kind of new venture of a podcast. Did you have a different approach to how you were going to launch this and, and, and reach people, I suppose? Like say, okay, so when I first started recording, like maybe 10 years ago, whenever, it was literally just friends of mine who I thought were doing interesting things. And then I was uh, on a podcast called Changing the Narrative. So I was co-host there. And one of our hosts had more of a video and sound background. So for him, he was it was very important that we had a certain quality of mics. We had an, an interface and we had all kinds of other things it was still relatively low tech but but in comparison to what I was used to working with everything was was a lot more high quality then when I kind of left to go on my own and I realized I still wanted to continue podcasting I was like I have to do all of this stuff I got to figure out the sound stuff I got to figure out the recording but one thing I uh, I picked up from that experience is there was another guy who was affiliated with the podcast, uh, Mike Tanner. He is a prolific podcaster in of in himself, and but he records all of his podcasts just on his iPhone, just when he's driving in his car. And sound quality is, you know, it's it could be better, obviously, but I listen to all of his episodes because 
to me, the stories he's telling are, are brilliant and he has very great insights. So, and, and I've listened to other podcasts. I'm a prolific podcast listener and they've all had varying degrees of sound quality. And for me, it's content first. If I like the content, I'm willing to put up with certain things in the sound that aren't perfect. So I didn't really beat myself up too much about not having the same quality infrastructure as changing the narrative did. I just, I have my, my mic already that I had bought previously. I know how to use GarageBand. So I just started recording and editing through that. And uh, the plan is as the podcast grows, I'll gradually upgrade mics and software and everything else to do to do that, but I didn't want it to want to be obsessed over that because the primary purpose is for the podcast to be complementary to the RPA's new brand, not necessarily to be a thing of itself. So I really want the growth of it to happen more organically in that sense. And that's the thing as well. You don't want <laughs> you you were having these conversations. You wanted to get start. You wanted to get a market and just start talking to people, mm-hmm. you know. And and I guess recording on your phone is is it, a lot of people do that. Yeah. You know, is is kind of a is a common common thing. And you're right. People are tolerant if the if the content is really valuable mm-hmm. or they really love it. Yeah. The tolerance for kind of a bit of background noise or wind or whatever it is is really good. But I mean. You've got a. You've already got some good kit in the in the blue snowball. So you seem mm-hmm. to be, um, you know, even even like if you starting with like garage band and and one microphone is still a, still a great start in that sense. Yeah, because one thing is, I mean, when I'm chopping up episodes and editing out weird things that happen, uh, no one can tell what software you're using. No, 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 no. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it feels like like low key, like I'm not doing enough, but at the end of the day, it's getting the job done. So I'm happy. And the, the snowball, like it wasn't a really expensive mic, but generally I'm, I'm happy with the way it, it records. It's, it's those situations now where, uh, I'm like, Oh, I want to have more than one guest at the same time. And that's when I'm starting to think, Hmm, maybe I need to figure out something else or, the snowball is so good that it actually picks up weird things in a, in a room, like a, a pen drops or something, and it, it picks it up on the show. And I'm just like, ah, oh, damn, okay. <laughs> so, and, and that kind of is a common thing with podcasts where you have like, um, especially people just starting out and doing it because they're passionate or, the, you know, they just like, I'm going to just try and start experimenting. And there's quite a few really big podcasts that started out as two guys in a room with an iPhone. And is now, you know, their full-time job and they've got like, you know, really nice setup with microphones in the studio space and everything. So it's kind of a progression that people like to see because I think what matters more is either you really passionate about what you're talking or have you got something, you know, really unique to say and share. Yes. And an audience will go to you and then you can then, as you build that momentum, you can then, yeah, invest in microphones, invest in those things in a bigger setup. But the primary thing that people should concentrate on is what are we talking about? And is it of value in the first place rather than how are we recording it, I guess? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you find the hardest thing about podcasting for you personally? For me, time seems to be an ongoing issue. Uh, I have a full-time job, family, 
and then I have freelance projects. But then I also have just the day-to-day things that have to happen for the brand. Just the either calling people, emailing people, updating the website, shooting project, product, booking photo shoots. All those kind of things have to continue to, to go on. And then I realize, oh, it's Friday. I got to release an episode. Oh, man. Okay, so it's, it's one of those things where I'm constantly having to make sure I stay on top of booking guests and, and finding time to record. I have no shortage of guests that I want to book. It's like getting the schedules lined up with mine that has been very challenging for me lately. Uh, yeah, I'd say that. And then just making sure I have enough time to prepare so that when I meet with them, I, I know what I'm talking about to some degree. And I'm not just rambling. So. <laughs> yeah, and the last thing is the just the research beforehand, so that you can sit down and you're not finding things out. <laughs> you, you can ask questions that you know are actually going to go somewhere. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's that's the thing. Actually, I'm scared of. I'm not like the most uh, gregarious person. So, so for instance, Terence, my previous co-host, he's was more outgoing, so he could more carrier conversation just on his own for me i'm more like can i find the right questions that will take us down a path that will lead me to ask more questions that will take us down another path and if i interview someone who's really quiet sometimes they just give that one word answer and then i can't really dig into that further because i'm just i'm not as skilled in that and uh so that's something also that i'm working on just okay well they didn't they didn't dig into that like I thought they would. How can we transition into this next thing and then make it a conversation? So, yeah. And and you do a lot of kind of location recording. You record in coffee shops and things. Yes. Is that a conscious choice or was that kind of a, a just the flexibility or do you like the aesthetic of, of meeting them in like real places that feel alive? It's an it was a necessity basically. <laughs> um, so we're at Volta now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't really realize they could you could record in places like this. So I may look into it. Um, but at the same time, uh, recording at those spaces has, has been nice in, in an environmental sense, I guess. I try to be as convenient to my guests as possible by having somewhere like downtown, because most people can get to downtown or the North end or something like that. So I do that just in that sense. But also I've been trying to work, get people to record on Zoom with me, because then I can... In those episodes, I can be in a quiet space, and uh, hopefully they're in a quiet space, and then there's less background noise generally, and it's less uh, difficult for me to have to like get somewhere, and and it's it's just a, a better, a, more of a time saver for me in that sense. Yeah, I love location sound recording, and okay. it's got real challenges sometimes in yeah. terms of zero control of people drop in a spoon or yeah. <laughs> something that just completely wipes out the point they were making. But um, I, I suppose I, I like the element of uh, just a, the feel of a real place or interviewing people in their own environments. Mm-hmm. And um, so I guess there's a lot of charm to doing that. But I, right. I know you mean it's a balance between control and embracing that side of it. I think if I got to a point, say, project a little bit, I have my own studio... I could control every single element. Would I still intentionally go somewhere just 
to add that texture to the episode, you know? So it's a good it's a good thing. It's a good point you're making because it does somewhat make it interesting. It just comes with a lot of challenge and editing afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing too. So like I found I forgot to say certain things at the beginning of the episode that I should have. So I'll take something from the end and then put it in the beginning and then realize the background noise doesn't really sync up with what happens. So like I hope the audience didn't notice that one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, so when you started recording um, and started producing episodes and putting them out, what point did you kind of realize you had an audience? How, how did that kind of play out for you? I really tried to go in there and think if there is one person listening, that's good enough. I didn't really want to um, marry myself to doing this to get attention for you know a specific reason or anything else like that. It's like if I can help one person, then I'm winning. Uh, the great thing is... Because of my brand, I have a certain audience already that I knew were interested in me. And then from the other podcast, I had a certain audience as well from from them that I assumed some would would listen. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it actually the audience was it was big. The, the first episode was was more popular than I expected it to be. And it, it got on new and noteworthy on iTunes so on, in the Apple podcast thing. So I was like, whoa, what's going on here? I really have something. And I did get a lot of like uh, feedback from my social media accounts from people saying, Dwayne, I really, really appreciate that you're doing this. You're, you're really speaking to something that we wanted to hear. That's been interesting. It was there like a point where um, you kind of really felt like you were onto something. Was there a moment where you kind of really felt like this was, this was so worth the, the time and the effort for you? Oh, this is okay. So this is going to be another weird thing. Um, so I was so proud of the last podcast that I was on. Uh, but it was, its format was way different. And my persona, per se, was different. Uh, it was a lot more profanity, a lot more talking about race, culture, gender identity, all that kind of stuff. Um, and longer form episodes, like some from an hour and a half to three hours. And for Art Pays Me, I aimed for shorter episodes and I there's way less profanity and way less like talking about controversial subject matter. Um, and I really just tried to stick to the talking to creatives and, and that aspect of it. And But I was still really proud of the content that we tackled on the other podcast. And I would share it with my friends, share it with my wife, some of my friends would listen to it. My wife never really listened to it. And then once she listened to it a couple of times, she was like, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that. So she never really listened to it again. Uh, but I caught her listening to the new podcast. And I was like, what do you listen to? And she's like, I'm listening to your podcast. I was like, really? <laughs> and she's like, it's good. And I was like, oh, okay. So... <laughs> she's like one of the few people who I actually care about impressing everybody else. I'm like, whatever, you don't like it. It's not for you. But for her, like I usually want to impress her on some, some level. So it felt good that she was actually impressed. And I still felt like I wasn't pandering to her because I don't want to do that either. So I was like, I'll be authentic, true to myself, but she likes it. And other people are liking it. Something is, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. No, so. my wife when I was making like comedy and it'd go on like it'd be broadcast yeah. 
she'd watch it uh, and she'd say, she'd be like, yeah, I laughed all the way through that episode. And then the the week later, the episode would go out and she'd go, I didn't laugh at all. That one was, right. that one was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, I always appreciated that kind of direct feedback. And, you know, when you'd make something that impresses them, because, you know, you're not getting a, it's an unfiltered view. And, Absolutely. Because people hold back sometimes because they don't want to offend you because they know how hard you worked on something or how much it means to you. But when you have someone who can, you know, winning them over can can feel like a real triumph. Yes, yeah, that was exactly it. It was just like, I know that she's not saying she likes it just because she's like, she legitimately likes it. So she's not afraid to give me feedback, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And how has the show, has the show like changed at all? Have things progressed through time? Have you developed it slightly? Or is the format that you launched worked so well you've just kind of stuck to the, stuck to kind of that as a, as a formula? Uh, I'd say more or less it's stayed the same. I think I've gotten better at directing things. But yeah, so far I'd say it's, it's pretty much stayed the same. Because I haven't had anyone say, I don't like it because of this yet. That's one thing I haven't had. So when if I get those, then I can start thinking about, okay, well, how can I pivot? But mostly, for, for the most part, it's me just thinking, how can I up the quality of the sound production, uh, the, those kind of things? How can I streamline the process more so that this, is, this takes less time? That's cool. So, you, yeah, you kind of feel like you're going in the right direction. It's just yeah. efficiency and improving on those kind of making it easier to yeah. kind of roll it out. Because it's not it's not like crazy numbers or like people are like knocking on the doors and saying, oh, this is awesome. It's not like that. It's I know I'm at from experience with the other podcasts that I'm at that point where it could get tiresome. And now you're like, I don't know if I want to f- work on this right now, but you just got to kind of keep grinding out releasing episodes, keep upping the quality, release an episode, up the quality. It's just that muscle that you just keep building and working on and practicing and working on. And then one day you're going to have um, something big happen in, in theory. And it's because of all these small little wins you've accomplished over, over time. I think some, some people's instincts to set up a podcast, have a hit show, quit their jobs. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and the kind of it is like it's like a marathon, I guess. You kind of you got to put the work in and the time to to keep growing that audience and building the word of mouth and right and going through that process. Like sometimes there is fluke and people just you know have something that just takes off. But mm-hmm. in the real world, you know that's kind of like winning the lottery in a sense, and you only get there by by blood, sweat, and tears, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, this is this is it. Like I, um, I. I, I've really felt myself at some point, especially after the new and noteworthy thing happened, I started to put way more energy into the podcast than I did in the past, uh, like before that. And I was like, ah, oh, I think I'm losing, I'm losing focus because now I'm trying to make it this bigger thing than it really intended it, that I really intended it to be. But what I need to focus on is getting it out. You know, this just the the production side of just making it and everything else. Not so much. I started to focus on marketing. I'll put it that way. That's what I started to do. I started to way put way more energy into how it's being marketed, how it's being promoted, how cool it might be or how cool it looks and those kind of things instead of just saying, it's here, it's interesting, I'm going to keep making it better, keep doing it, 
and things will happen organically instead of me trying to force it in front of certain people. How has the brand art pays me benefited from the podcast? Have you seen like a an, a bigger uptake with with uh, the, the kind of the clothing line and, and mm-hmm. other aspects of it? Or I haven't seen an uptake in sales or anything like that. But from my standpoint, there's been uh, a bigger brand presence and a bigger. It ups my credibility in terms of what I say the brand stands for. People can actually listen to it. And they. the other part of it was I wanted people to know who the, the guy was behind the brand outside of just like me doing cool things on Instagram. I wanted people to actually hear um, my perspective because that was what I found was powerful with the other podcast. Uh, people liked my brand but didn't know who who the dude was. So when you hear me talk, when you see me design something that is about uh gender or race or something like that then you hear me talk about it you get to really see what my vision is and my perspective is on these things so doing the podcast i feel helps people really understand who i am because you know to be honest like i've had some negative things happen uh in terms of public perception of who i might be so this is a, a way to kind of clarify that I'm not a bad dude. <laughs> I don't think I am. <laughs> people can actually hear you talking and expressing opinions and mm-hmm. sharing ideas with people. It's a completely different marketing strategy, but having both of them together is complementary in that yes. sense. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So what do you feel is the secret ingredient for your show? Well, if if I, again, if I can learn from the previous show, is that people really appreciate it my my specific perspective and insight on things so i don't necessarily come into things as an expert i'm i'm pretty vulnerable and admitting that i don't know a lot about a lot and uh through experience i actually pick up some knowledge and skills but i think what it's the fact that i've become comfortable in who i am is just this quiet more subtle, vulnerable person that I think that's what I, my unique superpower for the podcast. Yeah. It's kind of the authentic learning experience in that sense where you, yeah, people you're taking people on a journey is, is your journey, but it's theirs mm-hmm. as well in that sense. Exactly. What one yeah. piece of advice would you give to somebody thinking of, of starting a podcast, maybe to promote a brand or mm-hmm. um, just a, a, a creative philosophy or something similar to you've done? Um, is there any kind of knowledge you you really want to share with them? I'd say if you're thinking about it, uh, for me, once I started thinking about it, I had to do it. It was just, it wouldn't go out of my head until I started doing it. So I can't tell you not to do it if you're feeling it, because I, I know what that feels like. Um, my suggestion would be think about would you continue doing this if, like I said, only one person is listening to it? Uh, hey, you know, and, and the other thing, it's okay. It's okay to just record five episodes and be like, I won't do this anymore. It's That's perfectly fine. Um, be, be willing to try something. But what we did with the previous show, and I did for this a little bit, is just start recording yourself talking on a specific topic and saying, okay, can I carry a coherent conversation with myself? <laughs> that other people might be interested in listening to. So record and then listen back to it and say, hey, that was actually that was actually good. Then 
then that's a good way to to test. I would also say don't spend too much money on on software and and uh, recording equipment until you can actually afford it and don't beat yourself up too much about all of those details. And I would say also really think about hosting is important. Do you want to capture analytics for your listeners? Do you not care about that? If you don't care, then where you host is less important. Also, just just the format in general. Like, do you see it as an interview podcast? Do you see it as just you by yourself? Figure out your location, where your, your go-to location for recording. Figure out scheduling. I use something called Calendly, who one of my guests actually told me about. So that's helped a lot because... Going back and forth with, can you make it this day or can you make it that day? And blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's a lot sometimes if you're busy. Uh, and yeah, I think that's that's about it in general. Just make sure you know, actually make sure you know what you're actually going to be talking about. So if your brand is fishing equipment, make sure that what you're talking about is complementary to that audience uh, on some level. And you do your best to stick to that. Great. Well, thanks very much for doing the interview. And um, do you want to plug any social media or anything? Yes. So I am at Art Pays Me on Instagram, a, at Art Pays Me on Twitter. That's A-R-T-P-A-Y-S-M-E and ArtPaysMe.com. And you can also find me on Facebook at Art Pays Me, Pinterest at Art Pays Me. I think that's about it. All the social medias. All the social medias. Yeah, yeah. just just search Art Pays Me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just, just Google me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm on Art Pays Me pretty much everywhere. So, yeah. Great. Thanks very much anyway. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. Visit podstarter.io to find out how we can help you build the podcast you and your audience needs. To listen to more episodes, search Podstarter wherever you find your podcasts or visit our website. You can also find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Podstarter is produced in Nova Scotia, Canada by podstarter.io.